Travels with John Smith Chapter 50 Year 8, 2019 Chinese New Year with Pat and Lyle Wuhan, Shanghai, and Beijing We have been at the airport for about three hours, maybe more. We wanted to be early and unsure of the traffic in this city, where it takes an hour on a good day to travel to the airport. We left right after school. Lyle, John's brother, and his wife, Pat, walk through the doors, looking a little tired but relieved to have arrived. We are delighted they are here and are looking forward to showing them our Wuhan. We are standing in a crowded bus. We pushed to the back when we got on and lost Lyle. We look back and see him smiling, holding on to the railing above him. He is held up by wall-to-wall people who are all so much shorter than him. He is a full head above them. We're on our way to our favorite restaurant to eat Kung Pao chicken, Gong Bao Jidin. We sit down and Bao Pei, the woman who owns it, welcomes us with her usual friendly smile. We make the introductions and have a conversation in Chinese about how it's going. Then she asks what we want to eat, even though she knows we always have the same thing. She is making us look good in front of our family by asking questions and talking about stuff we have spoken about in Chinese before, things she knows we can answer, and we just love her for that. We are standing in front of the Yellow Crane Tower. This is the last day before the holiday, so I've taken the day off without pay to show Pat and Lyle around the highlight spots in town. John is being responsible and is working, but we'll meet with him later. We've already climbed some of the steps in the tower and looked out at the view over the Yangtze River. Since I've been up a couple times, I know that walking to the very top is exactly the same view, only a little higher, so suggest we carry on, since we've got a lot of exploring to do today. We walk to the other end from where we came in, which I've never done before. We get some good pictures, and I notice there's an exit, so I'm thinking, instead of spending half an hour or so walking all the way back to where we came in, We could go out here and possibly find a taxi right away. There's a guard standing by the exit, and in my broken Chinese, I ask her if it's possible to get a taxi there. She says yes, and I think, sweet, this will save some walking. And we walk down out of the exit. We walk down the steps to a very busy road directly outside, and it's impossible to cross or flag a taxi to stop there, even if we are lucky enough to see one. We start walking along the road that brings us back to the other exit, but on the outside of the wall that surrounds the tower. It seems to go on forever with nowhere to cross, and even the few available taxis that pass cannot or will not stop. And now I feel terrible that I've led them astray, and it seems like we're walking way more than we would have inside. Even if a taxi stopped, 
they might have to go across the bridge before they could turn around, and I'm sure we need to cross the street to be in the right direction, but there's nowhere to cross. Ah, I'm failing miserably as a guide. We are in Taylor Street, exploring the busy stalls of gorgeous material. I introduce them to the friendly people I know, like Yang Peng, otherwise known as Elvis. Since we are going on holiday in a few days, we can't really have anything made, but I still manage to buy some sheepskin from a woman who always says she's my friend and will give me the special friend price. There is another stall that sells pretty silk, and they will sew an edge on the material while you are there, so we buy some pretty scarves to take on vacation with us. I want to take them past the food market for the lively atmosphere to the little street food place that is like a hole in the wall where they do spring rolls and spicy chicken strips. But sadly, it's closed on weekdays. I look for a place that serves regamien, otherwise known as hot and dry noodles. It's basically noodles covered in sesame oil and sometimes a spicy peanut sauce. It is the most famous food in Wuhan. I spot a dumpling place where they are making them fresh. They roll out the dough, flatten it, put an already mixed up filling inside, pinch them together and place them on large steaming trays. We are now sitting eating some delicious steamed dumplings. We are hungry so are gobbling everything up and unlike some foreigners, Both Pat and Lyle are handling the chopsticks quite well. We walk around on Art Street, then manage to get a taxi back to the school. After all that walking, we need foot massages, so we are now sitting side by side, each with our own lady, pressing and squeezing our feet. The ladies who are looking after us ask lots of questions in Chinese, most of which I try to answer. Today has been a real test of trying to get around using my limited Chinese. When John and I are together, we do all right, as what one doesn't know the other usually does. I usually understand what people are saying, but can't always remember the words to answer them, and John doesn't always understand them, but has a good memory, so knows the words to answer. We make a good team. John is off today, and we try to do all the things we can to show Pat and Lyle more of our Wuhan. We go to Wuhan's famous food street, Hubu Lane, and eat some Do Pi. It is a kind of traditional specialty breakfast dish made from rice, pork, mushrooms, and bamboo shoots. It's fried in a huge pan like an omelette until golden brown and served in small squares. So tasty. We get there thanks to Jong, our favorite driver, and he waits while we explore, takes us to a couple other places he thinks we should see, and then carry on. we carry on to Han Street, the modern shopping street, to do some shopping and have dinner. We are watching fantastic acrobats spinning up into the air on water jets, 
ballet dancers doing cartwheels gracefully skimming on the top of the water, divers doing backwards dives and daredevil stunts. All this is beautifully choreographed with classy art direction and lighting, like a Cirque du Soleil on water. It's called The Hand Show and is a must-see, but for John and I, it's also our first time. It's an incredible show, and we even get to meet some of the performers at the end, so it's a fantastic night. We are traveling at 324 kilometers an hour, sitting in comfortable seats on the fast train, on our way to Shanghai. We are in the fake market, under the science and technology station. The hallways are dark, and most of the shops appear to be closed. There are some people pacing the halls, looking nervous. We are meant to pick up some glasses from the optician. We chose the glasses we wanted. They checked the prescription and told us to come back in half an hour. While we were eating our lunch, the inspectors raided the market, but the sellers were tipped off by someone. Anyone selling anything that is fake designer, sunglasses, bags, shoes, electronics, has turned off the lights and brought down the garage-like doors on the front of their stalls. They then sit on benches nearby and wait until the inspectors leave the market. I guess the thinking is they can't get busted if no one is there or they can't get in. The market is like a labyrinth, and the shopkeepers keep getting messages from their friends about the location of the inspectors, so they wait patiently. I see the girls who work in the opticians sitting on a bench, and they hand me the, the glasses discreetly. A shopkeeper comes over and asks if I need shoes. He lifts the door of his darkened shop and waves me inside. I feel kind of nervous about following him into the dark store. He's taking a risk. Maybe I am too. There's a pair of shoes I'm interested in, and after a bit of haggling, I get a good deal and slip outside. Another shopkeeper asks Pat and Lyle if they want a bag. They bug them until they also slip inside the darkened stall, but they decide they can't see anything clearly enough, so come back out without buying anything. We make our way to my favorite jewelry shop, which is still open. Julia, the lady who, who owns it, is lovely and honest about what she sells and what each piece is worth. I trust her, so I come here every time we are in Shanghai. The walls of her small shop are covered in strings of semi-precious stones, and above and under the glass counter there are many rings, earrings, necklaces, and bracelets. She has an eye for putting color combinations together, and her inventory is so beautiful it's hard to choose. If you want something made, you can choose whatever stones you want, and the girls who work for her will string them while you wait. The shop is always packed, mostly with foreign women who know a good thing when they see it. Her husband and two children are often in the shop with her and her older daughter is adorable, carrying on conversations in English at age three. 
Pat and I spend about an hour inside choosing and deciding and just enjoying being surrounded by this beautiful jewelry. We see the sights, look at the Pearl Tower from every angle, from the Financial Tower, the IFC Mall, the Bund, and our hotel. We show Pat and Lyle our favorite temple and restaurants and streets. We're back at the train station. It is packed as Chinese New Year holiday rush has begun. We edge our way over to the doors our train will leave from. It is almost impossible to walk from one place to another, let alone find a place to sit. There's already a lineup, but they won't open the doors to the platform until 20 minutes before it leaves. Then there will be a wave forward, four people abreast, storming the ticket stiles, then rushing down the stairs and escalators, running to find their coach and their seats. These trains leave on time. Next stop, Beijing. We are on a walking street, looking for a good place for dinner. We spot a place that serves Beijing duck. For those who haven't kept up, it used to be called Peking duck. And decide this would be a good thing to do here in Beijing. For anyone who has not eaten Beijing duck, it involves a thin pancake or crepe and a roasted duck with a crispy, tasty skin, sliced super thin, uh, finely shredded cucumber, spring onions, and a tasty sauce. It is then rolled into a kind of crepe shape and wolfed down. In this restaurant, the chef expertly carves the duck in front of the patron and places it on a plate in the form of a flower, so it's delicious and beautiful. It is the next day, and I'm reading about the best Beijing duck restaurants in Beijing, and the one we went to was the number one restaurant. How lucky! We book a trip to climb the wall and choose the part that's a little farther away than the closer, more touristy part. There are four guys from Nepal in the van that takes us there. Two are doctors. One is a politician. Another is a businessman. They apparently do a trip like this once a year, so they have booze with them and are quite jolly company. We are dropped off in a parking lot where we take a cable car up to the wall. We are not dressed quite warm enough for the wind and biting cold, but once we get walking up, we get warmer. We stay up there long enough for a bit of a walk and to take some pictures. Even though this is our second time here, we still marvel at the view from every direction. It is truly one of the most amazing structures we have ever seen. On the way back from the wall, the ride is lively. The businessman is quiet, but the other three are very talkative, friendly, and funny. The, the politician finds out we had never been to Nepal and invites John and I to come and stay with him in Kathmandu, where he says he is the mayor. He shows us loads of pictures of himself at different times in his life and at various functions to prove he is the mayor, not that we don't believe him and the doctors entertain us with their antics as they progressively get drunk. 
It's my birthday today, and we visit the outdoor market to show off our haggling skills and come away with silver dragons and some things we probably don't need. A lot of the market seems closed, which is probably a good thing, but we are hungry. The only restaurant we can find is pretty empty. It looks okay, but we don't know if it's a touristy one or not. The touristy ones are sometimes a watered-down version of the Chinese food we are now used to and love. We order a lot of food in honor of my birthday, and it's pretty good, but way too much. So we do our best to try and eat most of it. We move on to Tiananmen Square in below-freezing temperatures, wearing inadequate light winter jackets. As I mentioned above, we brought layers of old warm clothing with us that we can leave behind us when we leave Beijing and move on to Vietnam. But it is even colder than we thought it would be here. We can barely move with the various sweaters and hoodies piled on top of each other, and we are still cold. Because of this, we are already feeling a little miserable, and we see the long lineup for the Forbidden City. We ask Pat and Lyle if they are up to waiting to go in, secretly praying they will say no. They are on the same page as us, so we are relieved. Since we have already been in there, we do our best to describe it, walk around the neighborhood checking out some of the traditional hutongs, but it's time to go to the hotel to get warm. Mm-hmm. 